Welcome everyone to the Courageous Truth Podcast. I am always excited and honored that you have chosen to spend a little bit of time with me today. I hope that you have been enjoying our series uh, out of the book of Revelation that I had been teaching at my church. I hope that it's informative to you. I hope that it is giving you a idea uh, biblically speaking, what is taking place, what is going to take place, what's going on spiritually behind the scenes of our nation and our world. I will continue to release those periodically over the next month or so until we get to the end of the book. I also uh, just want to say uh, welcome to a lot of new listeners from around the world. I'm looking and it's it's looking like we're getting uh, listeners from Australia. Welcome to you from Australia. I hope you're enjoying this very small podcast. I hope that it's beneficial to you. I hope it inspires you to take a courageous stand for the truth that you see around you. Um, this is an episode that I am, I'm actually recording this episode in my hotel room. I am at a leaders conference in Spokane, Washington, uh, getting ready to head home and tomorrow, but it's been a great conference, but, uh, I'm recording this in my hotel room on my lunch break from that, from that conference. So, uh, I've been having a, a great time, but there's a few things I want to talk about and Really, the the inspiration behind this episode uh, is some national news that has taken place in my neck of the woods. There was a um, some allegations against, in fact, I'm not going to use their names, but allegations against one of the young men that was in my youth group, and then his stepfather, who is a friend of mine. In fact, he bought me the only suit I have ever owned. Uh, he bought it for me free and clear just to... Uh, serve me uh, because I was a pastor and uh, he wanted to uh, give me a gift. And uh, so I appreciate that. But there's been some allegations against them that I don't believe that they participated violently in the riots on January 6th or the protests or it's not an insurrection, um, whatever you want to call it on January 6th. So I wanted to not talk about that because it is not my place to talk about it and I don't have the knowledge or authority to do so. But I I did want to talk about a, a couple different things that I think are a part of the bigger picture. Uh, and that is I want to talk a little bit very briefly about Christian nationalism. I want to make just a couple points about January 6th because we're right in the middle of these sham show trial <laughs> uh, uh, kangaroo court January 6th hearings that are taking place and then I want to talk a little bit about what is this Trump quote cult unquote um, but as always I want to open up with a scripture and I'm going to read out of Jeremiah 29 7 through 9 I'm reading out of the Gideon Bible that I found in my hotel room and this is what the word of God says Jeremiah 29 I'm going to read 7 through 9 here we go it says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. And there is a massive message from our God in that. Number one is we need to pray 
for the welfare of the communities, the cities, the places that we are in. We want where I'm, I, I'm, I'm a church planter. And as a church planner, I want the best for the community that God has placed me in. I want to see them flourish. I want to see the families thrive. I want to see the businesses do well. I want to see the schools flourish and education just be top-notch available for our students in that community. And in order to do that, we, number one, always we pray. Always we pray. But then there's some action things that we can do after we have prayed. Number one is we can vote. Number two is we can stand up at uh, community town hall meetings and school board meetings and and town hall all discussions and, and talk in coffee shops with our neighbors and discuss what best makes our community the best it can be for the people that live there. That's what we want to see. A lot of people get thrown off because why should Christians be involved in politics? Well, I think praying Christians should, of course, be involved in politics. Of course, we should vote. Of course, we should speak out. If we're not involved in politics, then guess who controls politics? The enemy, the devil. The devil's influence will have nothing to defend the people against his agenda. So that's what I would say. And then next it, it talks about don't be deceived by the prophets who are speaking lies saying that they're truth. In other words, we need to be a discerning people. We need to understand what are lies and what is the truth. And just because a trusted voice that's trusted by people doesn't mean that they're worthy of trust, doesn't mean they're telling the truth. Okay, we have been conditioned since we were very young to trust the news networks. We believe that the news is going to tell us the truth, and if it's up there, it must be true. And we have learned over the past few years, many long before that, that it's simply not true. Understand that lies can sound like truth if you don't weigh them. The Bible says the prophets, the word of the prophet will be judged by the prophet. In other words, truth will echo in the hearts of men. Lies will just kind of <laughs> reverberate, will just kind of bounce off. Lies don't sit well with the human conscience. But lies do tickle our ears. Lies do support a popular narrative or a popular story. So the first thing after going into that, just consider those scriptures. I want to ask a quick question to you, and I've heard a lot of Christian voices speak this, and I'm just going to kind of echo them. Like, like uh, I feel like a lot of things that we do here at the Courageous Truth Podcast is just reaching an audience that the mainstream conservative voices and Christian voices can't reach. So I want to ask you, what is Christian nationalism. That's a trigger word. Now, to me, the word Christian nationalism is a is a word that the media uses as a derogatory term for Christians who support Trump or Christians who, you know, support American values or Christian who flies American flags or Christians who love their nation or Christians who want to see the best for their nation. Of course, the Bible just said in Jeremiah 29, 7, pray for the welfare of your city, be involved in the welfare of your city, be involved in the welfare of your community. Now, 
some folks truly do worship political figures and political movements. Just the same as they worship athletes, they worship movie stars, they worship sports cars, they worship uh, work, they worship money, they worship mammon, whatever it is, it's the same thing. But a lot of the, the media and a lot of people who just hate the conservative values, the, the, the Make America Great Again movement, I just read a book by uh, Charlie Kirk, <clears throat> I would recommend it to anybody, called the mega doctrine and what that is is basically just how former president donald trump introduced or reintroduced good old-fashioned american values and introduced or reminded the american public that government doesn't need to be so big we don't need to be involved in the affairs of other nations to a point where americans are suffering because we are serving other nations or supporting other nations financially or with with workers or with jobs or with with uh, finances like i just said or army troops or any of the like but what christian nationalism really is it's people and you can apply this to a christian that lives in any nation when i was first married my wife naomi she was a part of a Polynesian dance team. And they spent much time and much practice rehearsing their cultural dances and their cultural expression. Now, you could look at that and say, well, that's that could be, in a lot of ways, Christian nationalism because they would do it as a worship ministry. And a lot of people say, well, that's Christian nationalism. I think they're right. But Christian nationalism is, in its simplest form, it's a Christian that loves the nation that they're in, that loves the culture that they're in, that loves the place where they were born. As an American, I love America. America can't save me. But I do want to do my part in making sure that America is a great place to live for my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren. And your great-grandchildren and grandchildren and children. That's what, that's what I feel like being a Christian nationalist is I want to pray for America. So I don't see why it's such a derogatory term. Now, <clears throat> like I just talked about, you know, we've out here in my neck of the woods in Pierce County, which is, again, like I said, national news. The January 6th show trials have uh, made an appearance on the stage of our community. Now... I'm not, like I said before, I'm not going to speak to this certain situation. You can go and read it on the news yourself. Um, but January 6th, what we have to understand is there was, you, you have to do your research. You have to understand what really happened. On Janu January 6th didn't start on January 6th. The, the media would like to push this narrative. Trump was giving a speech with violent protesters. He was organizing criminal uh, uh, uh criminal mobs and releasing them and giving them specific orders to go into the Capitol and overthrow the election, the electoral counting that was taking place at the Capitol. How does that work? How do you overthrow a government by doing that? You're not overthrowing a government. Basically, you're just making a, a protest that says, I don't agree with what's happening because there was a lot of of controversy around the 2020 election. It has been proven in multiple states 
multiple states. And I would ask you, if, if I'm able to, I'm going to put uh, in the show notes today Donald Trump's statement as the January 6th committee or whatever you want to call that group of people who have nothing else to do but waste American taxpayer dollars trying to destroy the political opponent of the Democratic Party. But what, what happened on that day? Or, or anyway, so what I was going to say is I'm going to try and put his statement in the show notes. And in those show notes, if you can't find it, go look it up on True Social and you'll be able to find it there. But in the footnotes of the statement that he made in response to the January 6th committee, he lists all the irregularities from Arizona, from Georgia, from Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And most people by now, if you can't see that there was massive voter fraud, massive tampering with, they didn't do a good job of covering it up. In fact, they did it right out in the open just to try to get away with it. And who pronounced Joe Biden as president? The media did. The media who was covering everything up. Who gave the media the authority to, to announce the president? Is that the kind of country we live in? That's what the media wants you to do. The media wants you to believe that Donald Trump gave a speech and he directed everybody from the Ellipse Theater down to the Capitol to go and riot. It's not what happened at all. First, there's a couple things that you need to look at when you look at this uh, timeline. Number one, uh, at one o'clock, when many of the riots started, Donald Trump was just finishing his speech. By foot, it would take quite a while for those people to go from the Ellipse down to the Capitol. It was at least a mile with those big things. Now, Trump did have a permit. There was, there, he, he was allowed to have that. As an American citizen, you are allowed to get a permit and, and peaceably assemble. That is part of our rights. The next thing that, that we need to know is on January, I believe it was the 2nd or the 3rd, Trump organized uh, the National Guard to come in that day to help keep the peace and protect the city and its residents because he knew this was going to be a big event. But he was he called the mayor of Washington, D.C., and they rejected his uh, order or they rejected his request to bring in the National Guard. And Pelosi did as well. They didn't want the National Guard in there. That's curious enough right there. Why didn't they want them in there? Why didn't they want the National Guard? You think that they were saying, well, if there's going to be, you know, a half a million people down here in Washington, D.C. that are protesting what we're doing in the Capitol, maybe we do want National Guard. And Trump's the one who ordered them in there. But because Trump did that, they rejected it and they didn't want the National Guard there. The next thing that you need to ask yourself is, what the media doesn't talk about is a pipe bomb at the Democratic National Committee. Now, there was a pipe bomb placed outside underneath a bench at one of the exits that was set to go off at 1 o'clock. That pipe bomb never went off. And as mysterious as this time bomb is, it is on record that the Secret Service and the Secret Service were there because Kamala Harris, the vice president-elect, was in the building at the Democratic National Committee, and the Secret Service swept the entire area with bomb-sniffing dogs, drug-sniffing dogs, and, and all, the, all the, the equipment that they had, and they noted that there was nothing found outside the building. So curious as to if they swept it right before, who put that pipe bomb there? The next thing you got to ask yourself is, 
Where were the barricades? Why were there barricades of bike racks out in front of the Capitol? Why were the policemen so short-staffed that day? Why were the police opening the doors to the Capitol, letting people in? Why were the, pe were the police waving people in? And the media would also like to say that policemen were murdered or died, and that is simply not true. There was only one person that died at the Capitol that day, and her name is Ashley Babbitt. She was shot by a certain police officer. I'm not going to say his name. You do your research. But he was, she was shot in a crowd of people that were attempting to get into uh, the, I believe, the congressional chamber. Now, should they have been trying to do that? Maybe not. But does that deserve a immediate death sentence? Does that mean the police should open fire on protesters? Because how many of you know you are allowed to protest? It's, it's, it's when it gets violent that there are laws being broken. There is video footage of the, there's a really famous protester that day, uh, and he's a, a QAnon guy, I can't remember his name, but he had the big bull horns and the big, you know, buffalo hat, uh, very famous, but there's video footage of them, him and two other men, inside the Capitol building, outside the chambers, working with police, and the police said, you guys can be in here, but you have to be you have to be peaceful. And so they got on and they talked to all the protesters that were in there and said, look, everybody, we have to be peaceful. We have to be peaceful. In fact, I'm going to play that clip for you right now. So with all those things going on, we have the Capitol Police letting people into the building. We have an understaffed Capitol Police for a huge protest. We have, uh, you know, and it's just coming out now that Nancy Pelosi had cameras following her around that day, a documentary crew. So there's so many things that don't add up that make it seem like there was an agenda pushing this and inciting a riot. Now, what we may never know is the full extent of how this is. This is a very convoluted event. Were laws broken that day? Yes. Was there violent people with ill intent? Yes. Was there people there that uh, just wanted to protest? Yes. In fact, I know pastors who were there at the Capitol that day that were praying for people on the Capitol steps. The vandalism was in select locations. In fact, there was people, video footage of people breaking in through the windows in the front of the Capitol that went in and they had maps and they had specific areas they were trying to go, which makes it seem like it wasn't just people coming to protest, but it was people that had an agenda behind that. that that's criminal activity. And this is where I'm going to go ahead and end this episode for today. There's a couple more thoughts that I want to share with everybody as far as why I believe that Donald Trump was such a, an amazing president and a good president for our nation after I was extremely skeptical at first. And the reason why I want to share those things is just because I believe there's so much stigma around people who supported his presidency and support him as another run, as another candidate, whether he does or not, remains to be seen. But uh, I think that it's it's very important that those things are broken down as to why, and especially Christians, vote that way. You know, there's no stigma on, on people who voted for Raphael Warnock in Georgia. There's no, no stigma around people who voted for Gavin Newsom as believers. There's no stigma around people who voted for Joe Biden as a president, but there is around Donald Trump. And I want to kind of 
break that down as a pastor and as a citizen to bring some clarity as to the reasons why I think he was uh, such an amazing president. But anyway, I hope this inspires you, can, gives you the ammunition to continue to take a courageous stand for the truth. God bless you. I'll see you for part two next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Courageous Truth Podcast. We live in a world that is in desperate need of courage and in desperate need of truth. Our prayer is that this podcast will equip and inspire you to live courageously for your family, your community, your God, and for your country. Be courageous in your stand for truth in a world that is completely abandoned. See you next time right here at the Courageous Truth Podcast. Remember, truth requires courage.